and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Mark Laniato, consultant urologist at the Focal Therapy Clinic and a leading innovator in imaging-led diagnostics and targeted treatments for prostate cancer. Mark has been a vocal advocate for the rights of patients to be informed about their treatment choices from his base at Friendly Health, where he is prostate cancer lead at Wexham Park Hospital. He's also a dedicated practitioner in optimizing treatment choices for patients and has built a reputation in identifying and delivering the right treatment for each patient based on precise diagnostics and comprehensive discussion about lifestyle, aspirations, and relationships. He's here today to speak with me about a relatively new treatment, IRE focal therapy, also known as the NanoKnife, that he's been offering to patients and how he sees this developing in the future. Mark, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Claire. It's great to be back with you. Good. I know we haven't talked in a little while, so um, Happy New Year. And um, I guess I can still say Thank that you. in February. Um, yes, absolutely. So we're all very excited about NanoKnife, and I've spoken to a number of your patients, so I'm really interested in hearing about it from you. And I, I guess the best way to start um, our conversation is to put it in the context of focal therapy, which you've been providing to patients for I mean, I, I'm going to say a decade. Is that fair to say? Uh, well, probably more than that, because okay. uh, I started in 2005 doing focal therapy. Okay. Well, uh, well, 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 using well, yeah. high-food treatments anyway. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and I've been de- treating men for prostate cancer and diagnosing it for over 20 years. But yes. high-food uh, began in 2005 and, and focal therapy developed shortly after that. Indeed, indeed. So, you know, one of the things we've talked about before is how the the sort of portfolio, if I can call it that, of, of modalities or, you know, various forms of focal therapy are, are really expanding and, I mean, possibly even accelerating in the last few years. And there's a lot of attention and a lot of excitement around NanoKnife, um, which you have embraced wholeheartedly. I mean, have you treated quite a number of patients with NanoKnife so far? Or is it growing? How would you categorize the sort of state of play? Well, well, as you identified, nanolife is a new treatment. So I've treated hundreds of people for focal therapy using um, HIFU. Mm-hmm. And in the last year, I've adopted uh, the nanolife procedure for, for men. So currently, we're treating about three or four uh, men every month, possibly five men a month, by nanolife to deal with prostate cancer, particularly in certain locations of the prostate. And uh, to date, we've treated about uh, 11 patients entirely by using this technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, as I say, we have patients coming through every month and actually an increasing number of patients uh, uh, are wanting it as, as it becomes known that we can offer this treatment uh, as uh, one of the ways of dealing with localized prostate cancer. Yeah. So that's that's one of the things I want to ask, um, you know, what are the common features in terms of both the, the clinical disease and, and the lifestyle choices of the patients who are A, uh, suitable for not enough treatment and B, you know, excited about undertaking it? So most of the men who come to see us to, to talk about focal therapy are, are men who are still young at heart. They're still active, vibrant, uh, living life perhaps to its full, hopefully to its full, exercising, you know, cycling, playing golf. They have, they're in relationships with partners and whom often they're still sexually active. And, and these are men who have often been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And it's been a big shock to them in many ways because they they want to live their life to the best that they can, yet they've now confronted with a disease that's potentially life-threatening. And so most of the most of the men we see for this tend to have relatively s- smaller cancers, perhaps, than the large ones which need or definitely need radical treatment. So they're men who have an area 
of the prostate that's has prostate cancer, so not the whole amount, and they typically have intermediate grade cancers as well. So it's what are called um, ISOP grade group two or three, or what's also known as Gleason scale three plus four or four plus three equals seven. So that's the intermediate group. And sorry for using technical language, mm-hmm. but they're, they're they're men who have, as I say, these small intermediate risk cancers, which often are, um, I said perhaps uh, are suitable for treatment or perhaps for monitoring, and, and so. Now, these men are also being told, well, you, you have a cancer, potentially we, we can treat it radically or we can monitor it and watch it and see what happens um, and intervene later. Um, uh, and and they're, they're being offered this the, the, the treatments for, such as or ways of managing the prostate by active surveillance because the the, tr- the active treatments themselves have quite significant side effects, as, as most of us well know. So mm-hmm. radiotherapy can induce changes to the bladder and, and the bowel, giving rise to diarrhea and having to pass urine very frequently and urgently, as well as quite significant fatigue. Often it's combined with hormonal therapy too, which has significant sexual side effects. Surgery, even if you do surgery very well, which many of us do obviously, um, it can still have side effects with problems of erections uh, commonly, and uh, in some cases it prolonged urinary incontinence. Mm-hmm. So, so if you're a young man, you know, 50s or 60s with what cancer that's been told is said to be intermediate in risk, you know, and you and you still want to, you know, enjoy a sexual relationship, it's quite a difficult decision then to decide whether to, you know, take the risk of active surveillance uh, or go ahead with treatment and take the risk of, of having that treatment. So, indeed, it's, a, a, indeed. it's a difficult conflict. Indeed, indeed. So, so how do you differentiate then between? Uh, the different focal therapy approaches. So you, you've talked a lot about HIFU, which is you've been providing for for you know decades, as you said. How does the, the nano knife differ, both in terms of um, this is a big question, but in terms of the, you know the, the energy source that's actually ablating the cancer that you've just described um, on the patient's prostate gland, and secondly, are certain types of cancers of the prostate more amenable to nano knife treatment versus say HIFU? So ablation means destruction or killing of cells, mm-hmm. and we can achieve that by several means. So high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU, achieves that by a thermal effect. It, it heats the tissues to 55 degrees or more, and no carbon-based life form can survive that temperature mm-hmm. uh, for, for more than a, for not for a few seconds or more. It also has it also creates shock waves through the, the cells, which break them down. Um, Nan and I for irreversible electroporation kill cells a different way. A series of um, electrical currents, a direct current, are passed through the cells between electrodes, and the uh, electricity breaks down the cell membranes of the cancer cells, which results in the cells dying. And the, the benefit of this technology is that it tends to spare the surrounding matrix which supports the cells. So, for example, the tissue structure is important for consonants or for and the nerves and other structures around tend to be preserved more effectively than by say ifu or cryotherapy which is when you freeze the prostate mm-hmm. um, um, so the different technologies ifu is or high intensity focused ultrasound is performed by placing a probe in the back passage to pass ultrasound energy through the rectum whereas nano knife is performed by putting probes or electrodes through the skin between the anus and scrotum called the perineum Mm-hmm. to surround the tumour. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a bit more similar to having prostate biopsies, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Both are done under a general anaesthetic, so completely painlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, nanonife is particularly good for cancers at the front of the prostate. So about 20% of the cancers we have tend to be at the front of the prostate, one in mm-hmm. five. 
mm-hmm. um, whereas HIFU is, is probably best suited for cancers at the back of the prostate, close to the rectum. So we can use the location of the cancer to help decide which might be the best treatment for the patient if he wants to have focal therapy. Mm-hmm. So those are the main considerations. No, that's moment. a really very, very, very good dis- description. And what is the evidence base that IRE or you know NanoKnife is is building on? The evidence is judged on clinical trials. And the clinical trials are assessed by the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, NICE in this country, mm-hmm. and uh, various other bodies throughout the world. And they, they assess all the evidence that there is. And currently, we have lots of evidence developing. There have been several uh, systematic reviews and meta-analyses which show that the treatment works in the sense that we know that we can ablate the tumors, we can destroy the tumors, and we know that the uh, patients have a good PSA reduction and most people do not need additional treatment within about eight years. So mm-hmm. we know that treatments work. We what well, we don't have we don't have the traditional randomized controlled trials where one therapy is pitted against another, in which men are, are literally they're they're randomized to say surgery or radiotherapy or nano knife or HIFU yeah. or cryotherapy. We don't have those trials yet. But mm-hmm. the but the, what what data we have show that it does seem to be very effective. And and what's pretty clear is that the side effect profile of nano knife and high food compared to stand treatments is much is is much better tolerated yes um, um between nano knife and high food um it seems that the uh, preservation of erections is better with nano knife um and there, there might be various reasons for that it might be related to the energy but it also it could be related to the selection of men who have cancers at the front of the prostate uh, right. because the because the, the nerves are given erections run at the back of the prostate. At the back, right. So, so it's, it's not so necessarily... Possible. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I don't think it's entirely clear whether it's just down to the technology. But okay. um, but certainly, this, you know, constants, you know, almost everyone is constant at one year. Um, the, most men preserve their erections, although they may be a dip immediately after treatment. Most men uh, preserve their erections at one year. And uh, from that point of view, it, you know, it's extremely desirable. Most men are very attracted to that, to be able yeah. to you know, deal with the cancer and yet preserve normal quality of life. Yeah, um, understandably so. And and do you expect um, nanonite to grow in your practice? Yes, I do. I, I expect it to grow enormously. There's several reasons for that. Uh, one is that, um, as I said, nanonite is really ideally suited for cancers at the front of the prostate. Mm-hmm. And and since we've introduced MRI scans to diagnose or find prostate cancer, we're finding many more men who have cancer at the front of the prostate. These men often weren't diagnosed for many years. That's interesting. Because, That's uh, very interesting. Yeah. Yes, they weren't diagnosed because we did transrectal biopsies through the back passage. So we only ever samples of the back of the prostate. But with the advent of MRI and uh, transperineal biopsies, which enable us to sample the front of the the prostate more effectively mm-hmm. we're identifying more men with that with cancers at the front of the prostate mm, hence the, the number of men potentially suitable for nanonife or similar technologies will increase mm-hmm. um, and, and furthermore although there is no actual screening program in this country in the united kingdom for prostate cancer at this time we're certainly seeing that more and more men are keen to find out if prostate cancer is present and so more men are presenting with early prostate cancer yeah uh, with cancers that are right at the very beginning, yeah. but actually are most amenable to treatment. Yes. Um, and these are the men who are often be told to go on to active surveillance because they have s- small tumours. Uh, and and the, the benefit from radical prostatectomy or radical radiotherapy re- uh, relative to the side effects is not thought to be great. Yeah. But that's because that's because the side effects of the traditional radical treatments are so toxic or potentially so toxic. Yep. So, so when we have 
um, a new way of managing cancer or treating cancer, which has much less side effects. You know, more men are going to say, actually, yes, I will have, I, I have to have this treatment on the basis that it's less likely to cause problems. And the easiest time to treat a cancer is when it's at its smallest. You know, yeah, you need, yeah, you know, absolutely. you know, you, 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 you have the least amount of, you know, open quote collateral damage, close quote. Um, you have the, you have, it's, it's most likely to be at a, a lower grade and so more sensitive to um, treatments that can kill it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wait till it's advanced and it's bigger, then you have to treat larger areas. Then you may have to treat areas that include the nerves. Also, it may become inherently more resistant to the treatment you deliver, or it could already have metastasized at that mm-hmm. point. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we often we don't find that out for many, many years. So, you know, in conclusion to your question, yes, I absolutely do think that nanolife will increase as a treatment option for, for men for prostate cancer, and I will be doing much more of that in my practice. Yeah, I want to pick up on what you um, said just now about, you You, you mentioned about um, presenting early and you mentioned even coming forward for, for screening, knowing that they're, you know, and I, and I wanted to just kind of connect this, this between focal therapy and, and screening, because it, it's interesting to note that while, you know, the, the so-called supply of focal therapy treatments has been increasing, we've discussed that, he, he, you know, HIFU, and, and we didn't talk about cryotherapy, but that's out there, and then obviously nanonife. But the demand seems to be moving in possibly a slightly different direction, not because fewer men are developing prostate cancer, but more men are presenting with more advanced disease and maybe less likely to be suitable for focal therapy. And, and maybe that's because of backlogs, things we hear about in the media. And then what I'm wondering is if this raises the issue of cancer backlogs and better screening. And do you see then a correlation between screening do you think this makes the case for more screening because then you get as you said early presentation and then as you also said you know more suitability for treatments like focal therapy which as you said are less toxic and and very effective so how do you see those those things connecting so i think yes you're you're right about the backlog there are many people still waiting to be assessed with covid and the problems associated with that there are so many men who haven't had um, the investigations they should have we we know in our local area that there's huge number of undiagnosed patients who eventually may come through but haven't been found so far. So yes, absolutely, that is true. But over time, hopefully that will disappear mm-hmm. and, and we will find we're back to our normal way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And 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 I hope that, yes, I do hope that with um, better recognition of the potential for um, dealing with early prostate cancer in an easy way, that more people will come forward to have the test and, and more people will go into the treatment regimens that allow them to have have these therapies and hopefully be, you know, be free of cancer going forward. Yeah, I mean, do you think that men are put off coming forward because they're afraid of, you know, the outcome of, of not just obviously yeah. having cancer, but also because they have heard that the treatment itself is, as you say, so toxic? I think, you know, I mean, even today, I was looking at the news, I was reading an article about the young man in the 50s who'd recently been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And he was terrorized, absolutely, he was terrorized at the thought of having the treatments and tests, which might be painful and unpleasant. And he only mm-hmm. actually came forth for tests because he had quite severe symptoms. So, mm-hmm. uh, but he, he was put off by the thought of urinary incontinence, loss of erections, uh, bowel problems, all those issues which people have heard about. You know, when they look into the potential outcomes of what happens if you're diagnosed with prostate cancer. So yes, he, you know, people bury their head in the sand and, and you can understand that. But I, th- I think if we recognise that actually it's not quite so bad as it was and that, again, you know, it's much easier to deal with a problem when it's small than when it's large. Of course. More people become accepting that we should be moving forward with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have to um, 
emphasize the, the, the correct messaging to these people. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it beggars belief that we're still very reticent about um, diagnosing and treating prostate cancer in, in the United Kingdom. You know, we're, we're quite different to many other countries in the world where it's that there is a much more proactive approach. It is true, and it's absolutely right, that the diagnosis has to be done correctly. You do need to have a properly performed MRI scan and then properly collected prostate biopsies mm-hmm. um, and to, to be sure about the location and the type of cancer that's present. Otherwise, everything after that becomes, it, it's not very, it, we can't manage prostate cancer with the least amount of side effects and the mm-hmm. best benefit unless we have a good diagnostic pathway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and, and that has been lacking in, in much of this country, especially up up north, unfortunately, but it is improving. We are yeah. seeing more yeah. MRI scans and we're seeing better biopsies uh, but there's still a huge room for improvement. You know, so we're, we're still not seeing quite the benefit that we could by properly implemented MRI scans with the right protocols and the radiologists to know how to interpret them. And then biopsies, which are actually definitely directed to the abnormality, mm-hmm. which also leads on to treatment too. I mean, the other thing I didn't perhaps talk about is about image fusion for focal therapy. We know that biopsies are, are much better if you can look at the MRI scan and see where the tumour is and direct the, the biopsy to there. Similarly mm-hmm. for the tumours, if you if you use the MRI to direct your treatment to the abnormality on MRI, you're much more likely to get a good result. Historically, that was done by eyeballing it. You know, a doctor would look at his mm-hmm. screen with the MRI images and look at his ultrasound machine to his side and think, right, I'm you know I'm going to merge these two images in my brain yeah. and I'm going to direct the needles or the therapy into this right area. Yeah. Actually, you know, it makes logical sense that if you can use a a computer system or an AI system to to digitally fuse the MRI scans with what you're looking at in real time, with the ultrasound in real time, you're much more likely to be able to direct your biopsy or your treatment into yeah. exactly the right area. And hence also create a better safety margin because not only do you have to treat you know, the cancer is there, plus you have to create a margin around it. Mm-hmm. And and computers are much better able to draw those areas that mm-hmm. need to be uh, treated than the human brain can. So I think in time, as these additional technologies get embraced by urologists and, or other people delivering treatment or making diagnoses, we'll see the precision of the treatment will be much better, the benefits will be higher, and the side effects will be less. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we want to see. But mm-hmm. I have to say, this has been fascinating. And I really want to thank you for your time. Um, and we'll be really excited to see, you know, as patients come forward, the, the ones that that have, I know, have spoken to me about how extremely pleased they are with um, everything, the whole process from, you know, beginning to end. So um, we will look forward to great. hearing many more, you know, good stories. So, Mark, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Really interesting stuff. It's a pleasure. It's been lovely to talk to you. Good. A transcript of this interview is available on our website, along with further information on diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer, as well as additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time. Mm-hmm.